0: On today's podcast, I sit down and chat to my mate, Professor Grant Schofield. So Grant is the director for the Centre of Human Potential at AUT University, and he also runs Precure, which is a social enterprise that exists to inspire medical professionals to do health differently and that's alongside his wife dr louise schofield now grant is well known in new zealand australia and internationally for anyone who is um has any interest in the low carb healthy fat scene and is the author of the four best-selling books in the what the fat series alongside Dr Karen Zinn another great mate of mine. So today Grant and I basically talk about Grant uh, and his morning routine, what he's learned, how COVID was for him, so many different things and it really is just a, a, a great conversation and it was an awesome opportunity just to catch up with Grant. So, I will be posting uh, links to uh, where you can find Grant in the show notes for this week's podcast. And other than that, um, sit back or wind train or continue to run, whatever it is you're doing whilst you're listening to the podcast, and enjoy this conversation I have with Grant Schofield. And we're on hi grant hi mickey how are you
1: pretty good you
0: <laughs> i'm good do you know the funny thing is is that as soon as like i hit record I suddenly feel awkward like i'm yeah. talking to professor schofield and i'm not just talking to grant
1: that's weird hey did i tell you i've been following you vicariously i've been living vicariously through your running by following you on strava
2: um, and every day
1: i get to see what you've done it's sort of oh. cool
2: Oh, that's
0: awesome. Because it's been so long since we've actually just had a yarn, really, isn't it? Because I think yeah. last time we spoke was um, I was doing the pre-cure um, lecture slot for your health coaching students. Oh, yeah, that was awesome. It was. And when I think of you, I think of all of the things that you've done in your relatively short time on this planet. And I often wonder how on earth you've actually managed to like, fit it all in.
1: Yeah, I was wondering that myself, because I'm inherently quite lazy. Yes. You know, like, left to my own devices, I just don't really give yeah. a shit, and I, and I don't bother doing anything. So I'm quite surprised that I achieved anything, frankly.
0: Well, do you know, and you will know this, because it was just in the Herald on Saturday, um, hmm. I've followed a lot of Dan Lieberman's work over the years, and his theory, and I wholeheartedly agree, and, his, and what you've just said is me to a T, but as humans, we are inherently lazy.
1: Yeah, I love Lieberman, and there's a, a couple of really good books I read about. Uh, he's written. Uh, he's called. Cool. Yeah, is that right? It's, it's good to be saying that because I feel better about myself already if, if actual gurus at Harvard are saying that. Yes. Then, then we can be it.
2: Yeah,
0: t- totally. Because the whole theory behind that is, and this makes perfect sense, and you'll think so too, is that you know it was has always been our in our best interest to conserve as much energy as possible. So. Why would you, so, you know, in order to, because you had to conserve energy to go, then go fight for your life, run for your life, forage and gather food, not just for you, but potentially for your offspring and their offspring and things like that, that it was in our best interests to, on the flip side, um, pretty much do next to nothing. And, And if you look at the physical activity levels, I don't know, have you ever looked at this research grant? of kind of like indigenous populations now versus oh yeah
1: that's sort of it's a little bit more cyclic eh? like i'm actually having to find food director but besides that no one cares it yeah totally yeah. yeah
0: and then and they kind of looked at the physical activity level of the kind of native tribes was about 1.9 and yeah. for us as modern humans it's it's about 1.6 so that's actually not that not as much as what people would expect it to be
1: yeah and i guess that sort of averages a bit misleading because they're probably like bombing it out at like 5.5 or something and they're down to 0.0 nothing totally. um, after they had a good feed. So that's interesting, whereas we sort of yeah. feel like we have to go to the gym every day or something.
0: Yeah, and I don't know how you feel about it, but this often helps me think about people who I would love to see get out there and be active the way that we are, you know, and I, yeah. I have this... Like, in my head, I'm like, part of me is like, how can you not get out there? And, and and I feel a bit sad for them. They don't enjoy, they don't get this kind of pleasure that we get from that exercise. So that's part of my thinking. But then part of me, like, having kind of learnt this stuff from kind of Dan Lieberman, his lab, and that, I've, I've now you kind so, of thought... Sorry, you sort of get it. You get it, a hey, Like, this yeah. is not the default. Like, just because we surround ourselves with people who want to get out there and get amongst it...
1: Yeah. Is, well, I think one of the reasons I'm active though is like I'm quite easily bored um, and, yeah. and so like if I wasn't there's only a certain number of things I could conceivably do do during the day yeah. um, like sleeping well, there's only a certain amount of that you can do. Um, yes. eating well, there's only a certain amount of that you can do. Yeah. Um, hanging out with your family there's only a certain amount of that you can do um, days.
2: And, and some,
1: yeah yeah and working like, there's only a certain amount of that you can do.
2: Um,
1: yeah. yeah there's actually not that much left for me so I like um, and I quite like being outside moving around and just looking at things and um, yeah yeah you know, and doing other activities so I just can't do that and then I and, and sometimes as well just because of my general laziness um, yeah. I find it a really good place to think of interesting things that like my job yeah. depends on often me thinking of interesting things um, yeah. and also I find it's quite a way sometimes I listen to um, not always but sometimes I listen to um, sort of podcasts that I find quite interesting Um, so it's a good way of learning as well so so it's like it takes all these boxes without too much effort but there's no way i'm going to sit down and listen to a podcast it's just not going to happen like like i can't concentrate i can't concentrate that long yeah and um and i'll just fall asleep i literally actually will fall asleep um so so that's one of the reasons i do all that
0: you know, that's me as well. Like, I, my favorite part of the day. So, and I'm going to ask you how you kind of do this because I love a morning routine. I love Tim yep. ferris talking to people about morning routines. And then I yep. love reading Tim ferris's book about people's morning routines. Like, I'm a bit obsessed, to be honest. Oh, yeah, by morning
1: routines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I've been thinking about, I've been anticipating that because you said you wanted to ask me about that. And I was like, oh, well, I was a little bit in awe because I would always look at your morning routine because you get up earlier than me
2: yeah. and
1: you go running. Yes. and Yes. Um, and i tried that a few times with you over the years, um, and it, I just don't really like it. Not that I like going around with you, it's just that what I've come to understand is that I think we're different chronotypes. So like like Explain. if it's dark in the morning, yep. like, I'm asleep.
2: Yeah,
1: like, That's what I'm doing, right? Yeah, so that's yeah. the way my body works. Yeah, And um, you're, you're not necessarily.
0: No, and it's interesting. So, and I know, you know, I like, as I said to you prior to coming on the call, you're my first cab off the rank. So I don't know who's going to be listening to this, but if someone's listening and they're not sure what a chronotype is, Grant, do you want to give us just a little? Quick oh, so it's just
1: just this idea that um, first of all, within a person, um, when you go to naturally go to bed and wake up, changes mm-hmm. through your life. So and and the duration of that changes through your life. So when you're when you're really young, uh, you, you know, preschooler and, and school then you can sleep you know 10 12 hours a day um mm. you can go to bed at eight and then sort of get up typically resume early mm. uh and then as uh, as you shift into teenage years there's there's actually a chrono shift so yes. um and more for boys than girls but for both so that yeah. this is actually a thing they'll go to bed much later and sleep in it's a real thing um yeah. so much so that actually what's interesting about that is um when they have schools particularly in the u.s that start at different times. Yeah. Um, like there's 7.30 starting schools and 9 o'clock starting schools and all that sort of stuff. Mm. When schools have changed their start time to being later, they've seen th- mm. th- something like a 100-point increase in the SAT scores with no yeah. other intervention. So, so yeah, yeah. working. it's a real thing with teenagers. Yeah, so yeah. with that. Um, but then in adulthood, when it all settles down, um, there's, there's 15 to 20% of us who are, who are um, larks. Like, is that yeah. you? They they, they they activated early. They get up. They're sweet. Yeah. They're good to go. Um, and there's fifteen to twenty percent that are night owls, um, so they're completely useless in the morning and then they mm. seem to be good later at night um, and then there's the majority of us, which is me, which we're both useless in the morning and at night um and there's a brief period during the day where we 're actually onto it um, yeah, yeah and and so for me um, like exercising later at night or early in the morning is just uh, i just can't do it um and and any sort of thinking i can't do either
0: yeah so isn't that interesting because for me so i that whole chronotype thing um topical because i was actually just listening to a podcast the other week matthew walker came on peter atia again love that show he's he's
1: a legend he's he's, that matthew walker is just a a, a communication about sleep guru so if anyone hasn't listened to him i absolutely recommend that and his book's good as well i read that
0: awesome actually the one thing though about his most recent podcast he was using the metaphor around sleep being like it was all related to food like the buffet you go in and go out and as I was running I just didn't have much of an appetite and he continued to kind of refer to it because I like you I love listening to podcasts when I run it's (laughs) how I learn um and I was just like Ah, oh, this is actually making me feel a little bit <laughs> nauseous. <laughs> yeah. But um, what I loved about what he was talking about, which is so in line with what you how you just described it, was that that modern day society is actually it goes against those night owls. You know, they're actually up against it with the way that we have yeah, lived our lives. Yeah, yeah and-
1: totally. Because 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 the larks, the mickeys of the world, uh, held up in sort of uh, in in sort of victorious honor. Look at them. Look at their, look at how they go virtuous. and they're up early and you rest of you lazy bozos Losers. are just
2: <laughs> you're lazy <laughs> so ass what are you doing
1: <laughs> that's right and and it's particularly selected against them and you know structured work environments oh, um
2: totally. i think the
1: world's changing a bit to allow for that which i think is yeah. yeah
0: yeah yeah it is yeah. it is in part like it's the it's and interestingly just because we are on sleep and i'm sure that you've um listened to this as well he was talking about some recent research that's come out in and around COVID, and sleep patterns like people are sleeping like a little bit longer but aren't necessarily actually sleeping any better and i've heard people talk about like uh that they feel yeah they are sleeping more but not so refreshed and actually are just a little bit depressed
1: yeah and i think um to me, like they didn't talk about this as much, but to me the, the interaction here is alcohol yeah. and sleep. And I think for many yeah. people, alcohol consumption has gone up in yeah. COVID.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: like I'm currently on an alcohol-free uh, period at the moment simply because it, nice. it, it increased
2: yeah. Yeah. during
1: the, the lock, these lockdowns to the point where yeah. I was actually drinking more than I would have liked. And I think um, you know, that, that sort of well-known effect of alcohol, particularly on dream sleep, is a, is a thing. So alcohol doesn't, it might make you sleepier, but it doesn't have a positive impact on your sleep. It's worse. And I think that's an interaction.
0: Yeah, I agree, Grant. And it's interesting because I think some people might use the alcohol because of this blurred work-home environment. That's almost like they're drawing a line in the sand, like it's five o'clock, it's time for wine,
1: Yeah. I'm not working anymore.
0: I'm not working anymore. So this is what I do. Um, Despite the fact that they'll probably jump on their computer later on in the evening time and catch up on some emails because it's right there, you know, like, so I think part of it is absolutely the world is moving to a new way. And it's that having to try and find that balance between some of the really, the good things that can come of it.
2: Yeah.
0: And then some of those other, you know, um, less helpful um, and not, not just in terms of alcohol, but, the, the kind of expectations around what's required from a work perspective and how that might impact negatively on, you know, people and things and stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I've been sort of thinking about work and stuff quite a lot, really. Yeah. Because uh, I cause I'm sort of look at unis and I, I look at universities, which I've worked on my whole life. Yeah. Um, and I sort of then look at new ways of doing things, the way that sort of virtual technology has taken off and um, we're so old school. Oh, uh, and I just go, like, how come we're so useless? Um, oh, how can we, you know, like, like yeah. our, our, our adaptation to this world has been slow. Um, yeah. I still reckon, what do you reckon about this? Um, so the thing is for uni, so the reality is that the majority of the fee is not paid by the student unless yeah. you're an overseas student. So the reality is in New Zealand, for example, the tertiary Education Commission pays 80% of the fees.
2: Mm-hmm. So, yeah,
1: it's actually quite a lot of money. It's like, you know, 32 grand depending mm. on what course you're doing, a year. Mm. Um, if, if the student had to pay the whole lot, but not only the whole lot, every time they had an interaction with the university that was going to cost money, like email from your lecturer or uh, yes. something, they had to actually pay in cash. Yes. They would all run their credit card. There'd be a complete uproar. That's like, what do you mean 500 bucks for that email? 100%
2: <laughs> you know? agree.
1: Yes. They would just go, would just go nah, we're not doing it. And also, it's just like the customer service, like, you know, can you imagine a shopping mall
2: where, yeah.
1: um, where they, the shopkeeper's cars were parked out front? And if you wanted to park for the, as a customer, well, you just pay your own way or make your own way for wherever you could, which is basically <laughs> the university <laughs> way. Right? It
2: is. You're so right.
1: <laughs> so it's just a complete lack of focus on the actual customer, ripping them off for an yeah. extraordinary amount of um, cash for what we deliver. Um, totally. And, you know, private enterprise will kill them if they're not careful.
0: Um, oh, so, you know, <laughs> and Do you know? Interesting with that as well is that there's there's also this kind of cognitive dissonance with a lot of students because what you're saying is 100 percent correct that they're only paying a small amount um, toward their education, but actually yeah. um, they're not even re- a lot of them aren't really paying that right now, you know. And so no, because they can defer it, and it's and
1: so they are paying nothing.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. In their eyes, they're paying nothing. This is free, so it doesn't matter whether they turn up or or not. Come, or they miss go, this yeah. assignment. Totally, yeah. 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 Um, that is um, a big, di- a big kind of um, discussion. Um, and we at Unitech, because of course, I think Polytech is a, li- a little bit different from university, and in- in the the kind of student that we attract, and our yeah. kind of level of support, and what we can do in a small program, like it's quite different. It yeah, a bit more yeah, intensive
1: give a bit more value. Yeah, totally. Um, which is good. Um, universities get away with it, but more purely because of brand, you know? Yeah, um, for sure. Uh, and the bigger the university, the older the university, the bigger the brand, in my yeah. experience, the less they do. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: so we have to yeah. do a reasonable amount, but we're still not that awesome at it. Um, and, and others don't either. So, yeah. yeah, I've just been thinking about that recently, because I'm just going, oh, my goodness. You know, like, um, and, and, and to get anything to the level of bringing it to a degree and it's teaching it some thing, you know, we we keep deciding new things are interesting, but... Yeah our ability to sort of bring them out. And you look at some of the older unis, what they're still teaching, You just, especially in nutrition, you just go, oh my God, how's that even possible? I uh, know. Yeah. You know,
0: we're really lucky at uni because we've got, a, I've, like as a nutrition expert, which yep. is, I don't really like the word expert because I'm constantly learning and evolving and changing what I think and feel like, oh my God, I know nothing
1: like As an imposter syndrome think. thing or
0: something. Yeah, a little bit like that. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're the last
1: one for that this is but That um, is
0: totally it, right? Um yeah. but I have a lot of autonomy on my course. Like so yeah. so one of our papers, one of the reasons why I'm I was investigating Dan Lieberman is my whole interest in kind of evolutionary biology and and le- taking lessons from the from the past and how we can kind of take them and and insert them into modern day and what can we learn and how can we kind of move that forward? Whereas yep. if I tried to teach that in a different setting, I think it would I'd probably come up against it a little bit with regards to its value. Oh yeah, because your colleagues would value. wrap you
1: for a start and you would wouldn't be the senior one and there'd be professor this and professor that just like all over yeah. you. Yeah, yeah exactly you what know, happens in, a, in the ivory tower.
0: Grant, I do feel, this is actually one thing that I did want to ask you about. And um, so I'm just going to come out and ask it. Like, first I'll state that I think You are one of the most misunderstood people in that kind of public space um, with, with regards to, I suppose your level of authority in that nutrition space, because the pushback is if you don't do a nutrition degree, if you don't teach in nutritional research, not research because you research in nutrition, then How do you know? Because you're not a dietitian and you're not a nutritionist. And I mean, I will say up front that I think that's bollocks. And I think you know that anyway. Yeah. How do you deal with that? Like I, like so for like that would that would wear other people down, I think, particularly because this has been probably the state of as I see it and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this hasn't changed a lot in the last seven, seven years.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's hilarious for a start. Like that, particularly, doesn't wear me down too much because I, um, oh. I, I also said um with Karen's in one time, I was going so, like, what's the secret code that you guys would talk? Because is it is it like something you can't tell anyone that like you just you learn it somewhere <laughs> that like this is secret information? That and yeah. she is like half looking at me, what the hell are you talking about?
2: Um, <laughs>
1: and, and then more recently, I've gone if you were formally trained in in nutrition, yeah, um, and. Yeah, in the last few decades, mm. um, then, in my opinion, that gives you a cognitive dissonance that appears to be a disadvantage um, yeah. in, le- in learning something new yeah. so so that 's the thing and um, what you do need to do, have though I think is you do need a skill set of um, curiosity
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: but not being curious isn 't good enough curiosity, but you do need to have um, some fundamental and probably formal training in science of some sort. Yeah. Now, I was lucky enough to have always been good at and been curious about human biology. Yeah. Um, and um, you know, I've got a degree in physiology. Mm. Uh, and, so, and I've had a lifelong interest in that, particularly because I've always been interested in how the body works from an exercise point of view as well. So yeah. um, like I'm not completely naive to how the body works and how to do research and find out information. Um, and And how to interpret
0: information
1: yeah and and do i always get things right of course i don't um
2: yeah
1: uh, and will i change my mind should i hope i change my mind because not changing my mind would be bizarre um but yeah yeah that that sort of um formal training thing you know the reality is um specific discipline stuff for for professional practice Mm -hmm. um is constantly changing and so whatever it was. two decades ago is not even relevant and if you're still doing that and you believe that to be true then you haven't moved on so yeah i don't know i just don't really care about that um that's great because it's not a topic that beats me down what 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 beats me down
2: yeah
1: um is is uh ad hominem it's like um he this is this thing therefore this scientific fact is not right like that 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 not only pisses me off but it does beat me down.
0: Yeah. Like, literally yeah. does. Like, like, the science like, is settled, basically. Yeah, the science is it. settled,
1: and this guy doesn't yeah. know because, yeah. um, or, um, or you know, straw man arguments, so this current stuff with our COVID stuff is like, um, they're saying this, which you're not, not even saying yeah. that. Um, yeah. yeah, they're saying they value the economy over human lives. Blah, blah, mm. blah. Here's a counter to that. And you're like, oh, for God's sake. You know, like, that's yeah. what drives me, that shit. Um, yeah, no, I is, understand. It's non-scientific argument to make scientific arguments.
0: Yeah. So a couple of things on that, Grant. Um, firstly, with regards to being trained in that traditional kind of uh, science degree in nutrition, um, absolutely puts your blinkers on and yeah. like i spent most of like up until i up until we got into it at aut so that was what 2012 i think yeah. yeah um i really thought that what i learned at university was gospel and anything outside of that was um
2: yeah.
0: was uh um uh, the alternative view just, just didn't fly. Like there was no science to back it up. So actually then having that realization that actually I was the arrogant one who knew nothing. um, That was, it wasn't actually that difficult for me. And maybe it was part of that imposter syndrome because you go around thinking, you know, nothing anyway, then you actually find out you don't know anything. You're like, Oh, sweet. I was right. Um, But I a hundred percent agree with that. Um, And the other thing and I'm just going to skip right through to that last point around COVID and that whole, if you're valuing health or you're valuing the economy, like I just, this is what's wearing me down right now is that as a health practitioner who is out there talking to people about metabolic health, talking to them about the immune system and things that are important, you then see pushback from others who suggest that to talk about health in light of the economic, um, uh the the economics of it or in light of socio-demographic status is a place of privilege and we need to check our privilege because we shouldn't be thinking about vitamin d when there are people who are out there just you know who can't don't have 15 minutes to go out into the sun or um who who can't access information to help support their metabolic health like it's this crazy it's this it's just such a strange time we're living in, in terms of what is okay to say and what isn't.
1: Yeah, well, there's a sort of, um, well, hell, let's just do, deal with those couple of things you said. The, the first thing I just wanted to say is this, there's a really great example on um, no training, but actually end up knowing a lot. Um, yeah. And um, the best, as, as a friend of both of ours is Bevan McKinnon. Yes. So, so, like, so like, the guy's just extraordinarily smart. Um, adapted to do a whole lot of stuff across um, sports and a whole bunch of other things. Early adopter, biohacker, self-experimenter, um, yeah. extraordinary athletic results both from himself.
2: Yeah. When his
1: yeah, you know, and, and I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, but his actual actual physical ability is not that awesome. But you know, he my God, he becomes a world champion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's probably said that himself. Um, and so, 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 like, there's just examples like that all over the place. But that's just one we know, you know, like, yeah. like so we can learn off that. Um, the second, the COVID um, stuff that, that you spoke about, there speaks to a bigger issue in general, and it's a public health problem. Um, mm-hmm. One which would, so you go, like a good example is like, um, if we put this nutrition program in, mm-hmm.
2: the
1: rich people will adopt it first, and it yep. will perpetuate health inequalities. Yeah. Um, and we can't, under any circumstances, um, perpetuate health inequalities. Now, yeah. the trouble with that logic, well, first of all, that's true. That could happen, and it probably will yeah. happen. The second thing is, is on that basis, know what you, you end up being paralysed into a space that you can't do anything. So yeah. if, if you did that, because imagine that same logic applied to um, early tobacco reduction. Mm. We've just discovered that, as it turns out, who knew, but... Um, inhaling you know a thousand different poisons into your lung and holding it and then doing doing that 50 times a day for 50 years um, is really bad for you and it c- kills you. Mm. Um, so we're going to let people know that. And not only that, we're going to start to put in programs and advertising and whatnot to stop people. Who stops first?
2: Yeah. Well,
1: the rich people. Yeah, totally. Um, with the most resources, of course they do. Um,
2: yeah.
1: But 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 can you imagine how abhorrent it is to not do anything? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, but and you need to catch up that tale, And we're still trying to. Fifty years later, we're still trying to catch up the socioeconomic tale because Murray woman still smoked twice the amount than anyone else and blah, blah, yeah. blah. Um, but but to have done nothing yeah. is is morally reprehensible to a standard that's ridiculous. So to to have a virus that kills some people in the community and then not do your best to implement what you have at the time is 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 more morally reprehensible than perpetuating health inequalities. And you and you you're always chasing your it to catch those up and no one wants those, but you can't not have them yeah so it's it's a ridiculous thing that's
0: such a good way to just and i've not heard someone describe it like that before but a hundred percent that's it and then alongside it is if we think about metabolic health like absolutely you've got maori and pacific in new zealand who are disproportionately represented in those health statistics but there's also like the subsection of like. We've got over sixty percent of our population is overweight. You know, like yeah. so across the board. If you can put into place something that is going to help some people initially, and then, and if, as you say, is correct, it just filters down. If that's the yeah. way that these things work, to do that, to my mind, makes more sense yeah. than doing nothing at all. So yeah, completely agree with that.
1: Hey, but we haven't spoken about this more. So um, yeah, does it? H- how is it possible when we have 50 billion dollars spent on this whole COVID thing
2: yeah
1: um the only thing that individuals and communities can actually do anything about to to protect themselves physically Mm. um, from harm from uh, from COVID is Mm -hmm. to be metabolically healthy um and and supplement with some specific um, nutrients yeah that it's not even a topic. It's not a public. It's never. It's not in the paper. It's never not seen it discussed. Thing. It's not. It's not a thing. Like,
0: have you Have you emailed Robert Scragg?
1: Um, on the vitamin D stuff? No, I haven't.
0: Yeah, I did. I didn't yeah. get a response.
2: Oh, okay. But.
0: I, I did and I just want it does it take like like academics to get together to actually write something to the government to actually get someone to see it I say I'm asking you that and then I'd actually like to see what you think because on a podcast I was listening to this morning and yeah. um, what is his name? Glenn Gibson, professor out of University of Reading. So he's done, he made his name in pre and probiotics. And in fact, he coined the term prebiotic back in the 90s. Um, And he, they found early indication that pre, that probiotics actually helped reduce severity of symptoms around um, COVID-like viruses, and also uh, improved Recovery time, right? So, on two aspects, they were found to be beneficial for viruses like COVID. Yeah. Him and two colleagues, um, along with 125 other scientists, signed a letter, sent it to the health minister in the UK. Yeah. Nothing. Got, didn't even get an acknowledgement. And subsequently, there have been clinical trials out of Italy. And look, I don't know to what extent these were of high quality trials. And I know there's been a lot of criticism around some of the stuff that has been researched or published, at least. Um, But he said subsequently, probiotics have been used in clinical trials in Italy and I believe in China as well. Although, you know, I'm happy to be corrected if I misheard that uh, to show their efficacy in the space. And no one had, and the what do you do? What not do you not only do? that, I'll
1: I'll give you another good example of of, um, of probiotics yeah. and, and immunology. So there's uh with flu vaccinations, of course the problem with vaccinations for these sorts of things and who knows what the COVID one looks like when it comes out if there is such a thing. But mm. um they're least effective for the most vulnerable. This is the whole point. You don't mount an antibody yeah. response to the to a vaccine if you're immunocompromised you know, or you've got chronic conditions. You're not very good at it. And yeah. so, um, with the the seasonal flu vaccine, um, in this one study, that then men over sixty-five, yeah. only about thirty percent of them mount any sort of decent um, uh, antibody response to to it. So, to, has any effect? So, you know, seventy percent, nothing happens. Mm.
2: Um,
1: but they they then they didn't randomize those men to get some um, probiotics and it yep. moved up to 65 to 65 percent i think um oh, effective nice. antibody responses so like like um it's just an astonishing effect isn't it i mean you're doubling the number of people who are protected yeah. uh, and, and it, it doesn't matter if it's a vaccine or if it's a real life virus it's still about producing antibodies yeah. so um it's just a safer way of doing it i guess it's yeah. amazing isn't it that's so it such amazing. a big thing yeah um, and
0: and like if you were to say put a uh, a free prescription to to probiotics you know or to vitamin D out there to people who are over the age of 65 or who are in the most vulnerable groups like that's a pretty cheap um, way to I suppose ensure some level of uh, immune kind of um, resiliency or something like that
1: that's right so selenium zinc
0: yeah yeah
1: vitamin D I think there's yeah. reasonable evidence. Some people say vitamin C, but I'm not so sure about that.
2: Yeah, uh, and, and
1: just general metabolic health, lower glucose yes. uh, and insulin.
2: Yeah. And
1: yeah, we all have to do that. So um, that is a topic, is an interesting thing. I mean, my view is that those should be the priority, and I'll tell you why. Um, like, I don't see a vaccine coming anytime soon. Mm.
2: Um,
1: and and I, don't see, I don't see an elimination strategy as being realistic in the long run. I've, you're dealing with a virus that's endemic. It, yes. it's everywhere else in the world um we we in New Zealand like to think we are punch above our weight and we're doing this all special thing. it's just bullshit um yeah. like it, it will run it's, it will eventually get out of control here um yeah. and and if you're worried about being you know for, for most most of us it's 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 relatively harmless it's effects trivial mm. but there's a non-trivial um Group that needs to to consider their health. And we should be doing everything we can right now about that. It's just bizarre, isn't it? It's just bizarre. It's not a topic. It just drives me completely nuts. In fact, I I have to stop thinking about it. And I'm not allowed to watch the news at home anymore. Like, I'm (laughs) literally, I'm banned from the news. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh,
0: mate, I completely appreciate that. And (laughs) lockdown number two hit me way harder than I thought it would. Like, it was, you know, and this is absolute privilege as well. Because, you know, during lockdown one, I'm like, Well, you know, four weeks, the weather's good. It's not that bad. I still get to work. You know, that is a level of privilege that a lot of people are not afforded. And I completely appreciate that. And so when, you know, we got back down to level one, you know, part of me was a little bit nostalgic for lockdown. I'm like, (laughs) just like to hang out at home with Baz all day, which is what I realized. That's what that was. Because when I got word that we were back down in level three, I, I like, I was just so unsettled and I was... I was completely flat for like two weeks, and I actually just thought, and that was the first time that I'd questioned the approach. and And I'm not, and I'm not saying that in this kind of conspiracy way. And I got absolutely annihilated on social media for questioning the approach, but I did. And I'm like, but there needs to be.
1: This is the trouble with social media, though, is that any the way it's sort of gone on this topic is that anything that's not the current agreed sort of societal norm. Yeah, um even if it's a scientific viewpoint, is then put into everything that's put into the same category of being something to do with Bill Gates and you know, whatever else is out there. Um, yes, I think, yeah, child um,
0: trafficking and stuff,
1: yeah, whatever it is, you who know, knows? it's just like who knows, but but so, yeah, that's a weird thing. Like, if there was a time we need robust scientific debate, um, it's now, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I, I got and, so angry. We, I, like, t- yeah. Tell you
1: what, I did like, I got, yeah, I got, they, they extended that second lockdown, I found it hard enough anyway. And I was so angry that um, I knew I was just going to get on social media and vent or something ridiculous, and it would just Mm. hurt me. So Mm. I got on my mountain bike, and I rode along for about 5 k. So I got to this dirt road that goes up this massive hill that's like um, 25 minutes. And I just smashed myself as hard as I could to draw me into that next second. So I wasn't a second ahead of myself. I even crashed and started bleeding. um, And just carried on, like, you know, ride (laughs) till you bleed. But I had to... um, I had to do it it was that
0: emotion it's it's that almost but you know what i hear you it's almost like i worried about losing my emotion my ability to regulate my emotions absolutely yeah. and yeah. we deal with things differently so you that to me sounds like real frustration and anger whereas of course me i just cry same thing yeah right, right. But i cry and you go yeah. out and like ruin yourself on some kind of like mountain bike uh yeah, mountain bike yeah,
2: like completely
1: smashed that. like i literally yeah. rode till i bled like,
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it, do you know? <laughs> do you know? It's. I, I agree with you, Grant. It's almost like if you disagree with this, and I'm not saying that I dis, Like I'm not saying that right here that I absolutely disagree. I question it. I don't. Yeah. I. But you know, I'm not firm enough in my. I don't know enough to have a really strong opinion and put myself in that camp. However, if you do, then you're yeah. up against a team of five million. You're not part of the team, and I think that's yeah. what the rhetoric is
1: interesting on that um when they had an announcement um a friend of mine was putting her thing on Facebook and she had like these shots of um vodka lined up with her family and oh. and they were playing like a bingo thing when they said team of five million that was one drink um uh go hard go early two you know yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so they were like absolutely smashed by the end of that like 15 they, they minute were, announcement yeah yeah they only took five yeah. minutes
1: of talking and they'd drunk a the whole lot
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah um so look i listened to a really interesting conversation with cliff cliff harvey and yep. uh, simon thornley the other week yep. on facebook all about the data and what it suggests with masks and and where elimination strategy where that um the lockdown strategy has or hasn't worked and you know a whole host of all of the kind of data which which government is using to i suppose leverage their position and this is you know this is what we're doing um yep. and it like anywhere it just doesn't seem like it's a settled science and in fact if anything the way that simon was positioning that data and he's a smart guy the opposite was true so like just it, it makes it it makes it really difficult for the general public who are questioning things to actually know what the state of the science is i suppose because no one knows do they
1: yeah, so I've been trying to write a blog at the moment. I've been doing this today and the last couple of days. It's just taken a while to come together because because yeah. I, I think you did right. It's not like this or that.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, going to happen because no one actually knows. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to make it probabilistic. You yeah. know, like I reckon it's about this is about ten percent chance. This is about thirty percent chance. This is about thirty percent chance. But I don't think people will really understand that. Um, yeah. and, and it's only my guess at it anyway.
2: Um, yeah.
1: Back to yeah. that Simon thing, like, like um. Like, I've worked with Simon Thornley for a few years. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, he's the sort of genuine, uh, basically, he's basically, um, this doesn't mean his positions, right, but he's basically Mm -hmm. the smartest person I know. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, he's an MD. He's a PhD in epidemiology. um, He's been involved in infectious and non-infectious diseases his whole life. Um, He makes some vagal points. Um, He doesn't know the answers either.
2: Yeah, um, yeah
1: but but what you see in our mainstream media is um if it's not on the playlist then yeah. it's wrong and yeah. that's just bizarre that's just like yeah. not how science works and and so much so that um there's a sort of a whole thing that was well, so first of all i did his performance review the other day and, and he was told to he's not allowed to speak about this anymore because he's had yeah, the, the more senior academics aren't happy with what he's saying it's like
0: yeah he said uh, that on yeah. uh, facebook yeah. actually oh, so i yeah. oh, did yeah, yeah
1: good uh, yeah. yeah um and one of the most abhorrent in that is rod jackson who's the butter guy so mm-hmm. um rod and simon have been going who started supervising simon's phd thesis which is on statins and you know simon found no effect positive effect there um mm-hmm. and then you know, simon went down the rabbit hole with saturated fat and started publishing on that and they just came to complete blows about that
2: yeah.
1: rod orchestrated the letter from um university of auckland to um signed by them saying that they shouldn't be saying anything on it um and then rod's been publishing stuff in the Herald recently and they just outlandish stuff going um only proper epidemiologists know what they're doing and this virus is clearly 30 to 40 times more lethal than COVID than um the seasonal flu which it's not it is more lethal but it's not 30 to 40 times it's just an order of magnitude you know you're 10 times out um i mean the whole thing's just disintegrated into um as usual, in academic science, sort of academic bullying and um, one-upmanship and, and, you know, dissonance, you know, everything that's bad about academia is playing out in this current thing. Um, You know, John Aedes, who's, like, pretty much the most famous epidemiologist in the world
2: from Stanford,
1: he's been absolutely crucified, and he is the smartest epidemiologist in the world, (laughs) Um, you know. Like, and he's doing actual active research in this area as well. And and, and he's just, you know, publishing it in The Lancet and the – you know, new england general and everything and yeah, yeah. still still is marginalized
0: yeah yeah it feels right now that like it's just going to be a long road, you know. And really funny as well. Like we were talking amongst ourselves with friends, like going, "Oh yeah, 2021," and we, you know, people are making plans for 2021. Like this is all a thing about 2020. And then yeah. once that clock strikes 12 o'clock on uh, New Year's oh, Eve yeah. kind a of New Year's Day, you know, yeah, oh, all back to normal. Yeah. Yeah,
2: good, it, good point. You know, you
0: kind of realize, like in the back, you know that that's not true. And actually, I think it's dawning on a lot of people now that you know time is flying, and we are like. That what we're experiencing now is probably, you know, this isn't going anywhere anytime soon, and that's that's a hard thing for people to deal with. And the thing that I'm, and I was saying that I was feeling flat and um, not my usual self during lockdown. And I don't, you know, I still have kind of pockets of that if I think about it. But then I think about all the other people out there who are in far worse off positions to me, and just the impact that this is having on our mental health statistics, Grant. And I don't know whether we are. Whether there's been any research conducted in that space, right no, now? No,
1: none, none that anyone knows about just yet. But you know, anecdotally, you'd have to go where well, it's not, it's not that awesome.
0: Mate, you um, need to get onto that, professor. Yeah,
1: I should, I should get onto that. Yeah, That's yeah. A good point. Yeah, yeah. I tell you what, you wouldn't want to be.
2: Mm.
1: Is, I know it's only a small amount of people do these jobs, but you wouldn't want to be a professional athlete. Oh,
2: like that would no, suck. Like, or especially
1: yeah. like, a, like my world, which is professional triathletes. Yes. Imagine that. Like, there's no events.
0: No. In any foreseeable
1: future. Like, no. <laughs> like like that, that job doesn't exist anymore. You better go and do yeah. something else. Yeah.
0: Uh- we yeah. were talking to Bevan about, obviously, talking to Bevan about that on uh, Fitter Radio. And, you know, yeah. initially uh, we saw lockdown, we, I don't know why I put myself in that, um, yeah. they saw lockdown <laughs> as, you know, an opportunity. <laughs> it's, it's my constant, like, dream to actually be a decent enough athlete, um, yeah. triathlete, no less. Um, yeah. uh, you know, as a challenge, like, so, you know, block, uh, you know, you do like a run block, you do a bike block, you do a yeah. swim block,
2: yeah.
0: then you do a run block, and you do a bike block then you, yeah, well, then you enter a, an event and then that event gets cancelled and you're right yeah,
2: yeah. particularly because so. their
0: identity is totally tied up into being an athlete and understandably so you've been there you're a professional you were a yeah. professional athlete
1: yeah i coach a guy um, matt who's pretty good so he's an age group guy always so as a teacher but like you know he, yeah, yeah. he came he led the swim out at taupo he was second oh. of the bike and came you know, third overall i think oh, um, mate. Awesome. yeah like 850 so he's, he's yeah. good yeah. Um, and it's getting better all the time, but it's like, yeah, right. Well, initially, we did a bike block.
2: Yeah.
1: And then, oh, shit, we might as well do a run block now because there's not much happening. <laughs> we might as well do a block. Yeah. We do right. Yeah. Well, we've got one race yeah. in this Jewathan on a Pukikaui. Yeah. And and then that was it. It's all off. Yeah. Nothing. And I, I actually rang up last Friday. I was like, oh, I don't even know how to coach anymore. I don't know what to say. Like, just <laughs> do whatever you like this weekend. I, yeah. I'd regret <laughs> it by Monday. We've got a list of events <laughs> again, but you know, who knows if they're going to happen. Um, I like that so you a, regroup
0: by Monday and then give out your <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> nothing about him. You yeah, know, I, I like, had to regroup.
1: Yeah, I was a completely useless, coach. But it's like you know, you just sort of you just go. What am I supposed to? What am I coaching you for? Like, what's yeah, what are we yeah. doing here? Like, we've, I've yeah. got through six months of blocks and this and yeah. that, and yeah, uh, yeah. And I, I, I still that's still an important part of my world is to be able to do things like that occasionally. You know, like totally. um, events and. That, and that's just all off. It's a
0: bummer. Now, where are you with that, Grant? So you and I have a long history of like training together. One of Some of my fondest memories at AUT has nothing to do with the work I was doing, obviously. Yeah. Um, and more to do with the writing retreats that we went on, um, with us going on our, kind of doing our half marathons before going to work in the morning. Yeah, um, yeah. Doing our spin uh, sessions in the kind of pain cave at your house on Heron Street, yeah. you know, like those are the things yeah. which kind of warm my heart when I think about AUT. But yeah. you moved away from that when we started getting into the whole low carb, high fat, looking more at that ancestral kind of lifestyle and understanding a bit more about the chronic cardio overtraining type um, space and i remember you and i were running once up burkdale road and yeah. you stopped and walked and this was in the early stages because yeah. you had adopted a phil maffetone math training protocol and your heart yeah. rate had gone above where you would have wanted to have seen it
1: oh so, yeah I, like i i i don't know if everyone's life's like this but i, I sort of wish i knew what i know now back when I, yeah. I speak to everyone thinks that because they yeah. it, it sort of fix mistakes. But my thing is like, I've I had had a couple of decades of absolutely smashing myself in, in elite mm. and semi-elite sport and high level age group sport, both in um, triathlon and then in uh, running half marathon, marathon, that sort of thing, um, which mm. I totally loved, but eventually affected my health quite negatively. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I think I've written about this a few times, but like it, in the end, I had these um, lymph nodes in my groin the size of peanuts that just never went away and were like that for, mm. like, years. Mm. Um, and then eventually I sort of got onto this nutrition, this lo- low-carb keto stuff as an inter- interesting dimension, getting fat adapted as an athlete. Um, mm. And that, that inflammation in the, those uh, lymph nodes disappeared in, like, two weeks. Wow. And, um, and I also had – part of the reason, like, I, I, I'm sort of slightly ashamed to say this. I don't think I've said it to anyone else, actually. Um, part of the reason I was so was, was like, I always wanted to stay in shape and that's, yeah. that's one, one of the that was the only way I knew how and I yeah,
2: yeah.
1: always struggled to stay in shape like, people might not think that but you know, like, I worked damn hard to not, not,
2: not put on finished. weight
1: and I put on weight yeah. so easily and yeah. so for me um, the discovery that I didn't have to train so much even though I like it uh, was interesting so I stopped doing that and then and I, I met Mark Allen Who's, who was coached by Phil Matitone, the sort of seven-time Ironman champion, Mark yeah. Allen, um, mm-hmm. at the Hawaii Ironman at a pro briefing back in 1995, mm-hmm. um, and I actually had a broken collarbone in that race, while it was partially healed, mm-hmm. uh, and so I wasn't in much shape. And I was actually sitting next to him when I asked him about his diet and training and stuff. Just thought, well, well might as well what have I got to lose. And he actually just was stopped and talked to me and told me about it. He mm. told me about Maffetone and the math yeah. method and uh, being fat adapted and low carb. with some supplemental carbs when he was racing and um, this fat burning heart rate method. Is people not familiar with that math method about keeping your heart rate low enough that you're in that easy zone and you can finish these long sessions feeling invigorated, not tired. Mm. Uh, you know, the sort of immune and other benefits from that type of training. And I just didn't believe it. Yeah. So I knew yeah. that in 1995, and it wasn't until 2012, I guess, that I finally figured out that it was good. And so I've since reconnected with Maffetone, and I, I said, I said, oh, yeah, I, I, I first heard about I, I, I was Facebook for Maffetone. I said, yeah, Phil, I, I knew about this back in the 90s when you were doing it. And then he goes, I wasn't doing it in the 90s, but I was doing it in the 70s. Uh, <laughs> 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 and um, so I'm just a massive fan of that. Um yeah. for people who want to do endurance at least yeah um, I, I think it's a much healthier way of doing it, well, I think yeah. you're in that space, aren't you you're more or less in that space
0: yeah, I totally am and and definitely, my thinking around it has evolved as i 'm sure yours has over the last kind of seven years, in that mm-hmm. you know you kind of it almost takes going to an extreme view to then kind of bring yourself back to this level mm-hmm. of kind of pragmatism and, and yeah, kind of yeah. reality on yeah, yeah whilst you might think that that is that that 100% zealous approach or zealous view is the approach to take actually if 0.001 percent of people are going to do it what's the point in talking about that you need to make yeah. things a bit realistic yeah. um so i've definitely i'm but i'm definitely in that space as well i do remember grant walking into your office and seeing you sitting at your desk not sitting kind of half standing one of those strange yeah. little cheer things that you had um eating cream and whey powder and so uh, as part of yeah. your LCHF approach
2: <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. I, I <laughs> still do that. I still do that occasionally sometimes, you know. It's, it's like a, <laughs> that was going to be no, my question. No, the reason I do it is I've, I've, I, I've, sometimes I get these like free – like Cliff one time, I gave me a couple of his protein things and I got them for yes. free, and then I got another one free. Like I get free nutrition stuff sometimes. So sometimes there's whey protein things kicking around. And yeah. um, at our work, they provide free uh, milk for coffee. Yes. Um, but we requested Red Top.
2: Yeah. And so they they <laughs> they, give, they
1: give us free cream,
2: yeah,
1: now, um, in this big massive two-liter container of cream, and it never someone's gets eaten. Use it. Yeah, so someone's got to use it. So I'm sort of going, I, 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 so like I'm not crying poor or anything. Like I, I could go yeah, and yeah. buy lunch and I do do that as well. But I'm just like, <laughs> I'm working. And I'm like, oh, screw it. I'll just have like, I'll, I'll make yeah. up a shake and I'll put some yeah, whey in yeah. it and then I'll put cream in it and then I'll just it's yeah. like a keto shake. It I'm not like saying that's the nice, most. I'm not saying that's like the most dentri- nutrient-dense, healthy, whole foods diet. It's just like a <laughs> short, lazy man's shortcut for food <laughs> yeah. in, in, in my office, which I'm sitting at now. <gasps> Actually, I'm just looking at my whey protein thing. Up there. I just finished the last one the other day doing the same thing. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> so, so,
0: so. Um, moving on from your keto shakes, what is your general diet approach? Like, talk me through a typical day's food for you, Grant. Is there such a thing? And the reason I ask this is because most people are fascinated by what other people eat, and I yep. mean this is why basically nutritionists are obsessed with what other people eat. So, and, and that's one hundred percent why you get into the field. Y- yeah, no, me I agree. Right.
1: It. It's something interesting me as well. So, um, there's a more of a sort of um, wider approach, is that. Um, in basic terms, my willpower is quite good. So yeah. like I go exercising, my won't power is absolutely atrocious. So if <laughs> we have like <laughs> like Doritos in the house, yes. um, then I'll just eat them. Um, yeah. so, so of course, we have got teenagers and uh, other kids hanging around, then we do have some of that stuff just gets in the house. So I end up eating it. So um, what, what's, I reckon if I was living by myself with no one else and I was in charge mm-hmm. of my food, I'd be quite good. Yeah. like i'd be quite sensible with my food but um i drift in and out so the, the the thing that works for me now people are going to think this is quite random given this is actually my profession yeah. um is that um i i cycle in and out of being strict like really mm. strict mm. um on particular ways of eating and experimenting with them and then i sort of maintain that for a bit going out of that phase and then i i um In my lack of moral fiber and laziness and weakness, I drift back into um poor eating. so a good example of this is uh i in or um, well, prior to this last lockdown, so I think probably through June I was experimenting more with fasting and intermittent fasting in a whole foods context, so I was made sure mm-hmm. I was fed adapted um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I, and I finished with a, a three day fast or something yeah. um, felt great Mm -hmm. and then through that lockdown i I was just seemed a bit hungrier than usual and then things i started drinking alcohol a Mm -hmm. bit more and then i was having a couple of beers every night um and then we just got lazy with the food and then i was like having bread every day like really Mm. uh, and i was not feeling that great Mm. uh and then so that finished i was like well i can't continue that's obviously not going to work uh so i drifted back into now and at the moment i'm on my third day of a three-week keto challenge for myself cool. so it's like full keto yeah.
2: um
1: like s- strictly limiting carbs no alcohol yeah. Yeah. um all that sort of stuff and so uh this morning i had uh just as an example what do i have this morning this morning i had some scrambled eggs with some um, nice bacon and some avocado nice.
2: uh,
1: i've had no lunch mm-hmm. uh and for dinner i'm not sure what i have but last night for dinner i had i had a snapper like quite a lot of fish fried yeah. uh with uh, a massive massive salad um with our homemade mayo which is basically just egg yolks and mayonnaise nice. uh
2: and, and, and that was oil. it yeah, yeah. Olive, oil,
1: olive oil olive oil and and, and egg yolk, eggs yeah. um yeah make, making up the mayo so yeah, it was just dope. uh and that, yesterday i had for lunch i had a um chicken salad again with heaps mm. of oil on it and for uh breakfast i had like four fried eggs but with heaps of coconut oil and um quite a lot of cheese on it um, yes. and some some um, hot chili sauce so that yeah. um and no no snacking at, at all
2: yeah. um strict yeah.
1: so like i go through periods what what works for me
2: yeah. um
1: and it doesn't mean it's the ideal thing but some people have these diets where they go well i just do this and i do it all the time like karen's Inn's really good like that she, she She's good at it, but um, I don't really have the moral won't power to, to do that. It's just yeah. not in me. So I, yeah. I go strict and then cycle in and out of being healthy and then not so much. Um, plus I, I hate to
0: say. Yeah. Sorry, you go?
1: No. It's gonna, I, I, like, sometimes, like, um, as bad as junk food is for you and as much as I say about whole food, like I really like beer and solid and yeah. vinegar chips. Like, I, I really like eating them. Um, yes, yes, It's bad for me, and I don't want to eat them forever, but sometimes I like doing that.
0: Do you know, and it, it, some of my favorite things to do, well, a couple of the favorite things that I love is craft beer and a fat yeah. chip, you know? And
1: yes, exactly. And probably
0: five or six years ago, I would not have gone near either of them, but I love beer now. I Like, yeah. if, like I'm sitting there at um, like after dinner doing some work, and I'm like, to Barry, I'm like, Baz, babe, we've got to get off this beer. So no no beer for two weeks. And then it's like Garage Project, hear me and they send an email to me and they're like, we've just (laughs) we've just released a new brew and I'm like, damn it. However, (laughs) I'm saying that though, I think you and I are really different. So one, what I was gonna say is Karen is the least obsessive, least not she's a foodie but she's so not an obsessive nutritionist you know like she's the she's one of the only nutritionists i know to not be obsessed with it which has is awesome and the reason Um, she does
1: well is she just eats in a rhythm she's just like i just eat the same stuff yeah yeah
0: totally and Um, she's always kind of seemed to have a cue for when she's hungry and when she's not and that's something which a lot of people don't have and whereas i'm like the exact opposite in that if i am too restrictive that's not healthy for me and I recognize that in me, and so um, what I have. And this sounds crazy for a nutritionist. I've never counted my macros before, never. Like maybe, maybe for a week when I was like doing a keto challenge, and then I just got yeah. into the rhythm of checking the ketones. And so, yeah. because of the amount of training that I've been doing, and um, and also just my my age, like I'm forty three now, I'm like, right. you know, I actually, yeah, I know. Um, I have to start thinking more about my protein because this is what I tell clients all of the time. So I've been tracking my macros and it's been super interesting for me to see. Oh, right, so what, what? were
1: the? What was protein?
0: Yeah. Oh, protein. One hundred and forty. Actually, I've got a big appetite for protein food. And, oh, that's good to hear.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: And you know, I think it's heading back to my roots in the '90s with Bill Phillips and Body for Life. Like that's right. where I cut my and teeth. And like is that making
1: up like a quarter of your calories or something?
0: easily oh no wait i say a lot that's a lie actually probably around maybe 30 percent like yeah. i've said at the absolute highest and i tend to go over um but oh, wow, now, what cool. i found is that it's actually even though this is counterintuitive counting macros it dare i say it this is almost if it fits your macros yeah. um has been really liberating in terms of the types of food that people that that i've been eating so
2: yeah.
0: and it's and like i say like you constantly kind of tweak and and learn things about yourself i suppose and yeah. sure the older you get the more experienced you get the less this happens but but this has given me a kind of almost like more freedom around the types of food that i have cuz like you i love craft beer and fat chip yeah. and you can kind of see how you, you can, people can have that type of food in their diet, to my mind, as long as they've got the, the basics right. And I think that yeah. you'll feel that, too, you'll know that too. And oh, yeah, for abs- some people,
2: yeah. yeah. And
0: the way that you're doing it is actually not, you know, on balance, it's just if you were to have three days of rubbish and then four days of, um, of, uh, kind of, you know, optimal awesome. diet, yeah,
2: that,
0: that's the same as someone doing the, you know, having an fairly all right diet seven days of the week you know it's just what's going to suit you as a personality and make you adhere more
1: yeah i think people need to do that so it's like i like i i do worry about I'm saying this to louise the other night about people who struggle with their food their whole life and and have trouble with this and then again i'm like they're going to be perfect and then they're not and yeah. then when they're not it all falls off it's just like like i i i'd much rather embrace i think the older i've got the more i've i've done better in basing my own humanity because um, I've got quite a lot of weaknesses, yeah. um, and I have some strengths, yeah. um, and I've got to work to those strengths. Now I can do things for periods really, really well, um, yeah, yeah. Um, And so I need to work with that. And so there are people who have that personality type. There's other people who just don't do that, and they do much better as a more moderate approach over a period of time. And, and you know that's great. But I, I you know, I think, and, and so that we're, earlier we earlier we're talking about sleep. Mm. it's the same thing like you've got to go with the type you are so yeah. maybe there's an eating psycho personality type or something that, that could be a thing we invent
0: yeah oh uh, it could be we could base it yeah. on uh gretchen rubin's the four no. tendencies
1: yeah yeah That'd that would be interesting. has anyone yeah. done that has anyone done that i, I haven't seen anyone that.
0: like she talks yeah. about it in her application of it when she talks to people but she hasn't actually talked about rolling out a yeah. study like that along with some kind of well-being survey around COVID. Those yeah. are two research projects, right there, Grant.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's because, because on the food thing, there's some people who actually are easily addicted to sugar and carbs, and this yep. is like, like they they just know that they need to abstain for them. Yeah. And that's the end of that. 100%. So there's that type and there's just different types there, eh? So, yeah. And
0: yeah. particularly, in, and I, I guess I think we've probably come along the same journey of when we embarked on LCHF and it was all very new to us. Of course, Cliff yeah. had been doing it since he was about five. Um, yeah. We, you know, we were like, you know, we were really like, processed carbs are the devil. And I would have to say I've, I've loosened my stance on that actually, because that, for some people, they are actually not the devil and they're completely fine having a yeah, good, so, good source of energy yeah Yeah. totally right and, yeah. and it's but, but just for
1: other people if you've got you know type 2 diabetes it's like you probably should be a bit careful about it you know like so it's like it's yeah. just different horses for courses
0: yeah so and i think like you know just like people talk about the diet of individuals not you know everyone having a different you know not everyone following the same nutritional approach the same person shouldn't follow one nutritional approach for the rest of their lives because their needs will change as well
1: yeah couldn't agree more so that that is a big thing that's not a topic either yeah it's not really a topic eh? it's like okay yeah. i'm different now than i used to be or yeah i need to yeah. reassess things here what used to work doesn't work anymore
0: yeah yeah i agree yeah. and i am and I, um, one of my good friends lara lara bryden she wrote yeah. the period repair manual she's got a book yeah. on menopause coming out we're going to jump yeah. on for A Q&A with some questions which yeah. um will be super interesting she's such a wealth of information in that hormone space And she's really good as well because she evolves her thinking around the science around females and hormones and, but not only the science, but the application, because it is one thing to study something in a lab and to find a mechanism or, you know, a route of action and, and say, well, this is what we found quite different when you then have it out on the, you know, playing field or on the running track or in real life, how does that play out? Because, I think people forget that just because science shows us something doesn't mean that that's going to be the application of it in real life.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's such an interesting area, that whole thing. Unfortunately for me, talking about menstrual cycles is about as credible as me (laughs) talking about about um, how bats use radar to navigate, you know, it's like it's <laughs> like yeah, like you know, I, 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 n- none of those things happen. To
0: me. No, uh, do you know. know what I I did see? You get slightly uncomfortable on that couch, Grant. <laughs> I'm just kidding.
1: Oh no, no, no! It's like it's like you know, like if you get into the actual details of menstrual cycles, all of a sudden everyone's just like, oh, you know, well, no, it's just like where's the, yeah. like you, you've got to be a female to have any. Any credibility? Idea well, yeah, or like, like yeah.
2: I it takes a lot on. for
0: people to know. Now, Bevan is one, if we go back yeah. to Bevan again, who's really taken an interest in this area for his, because he has predominantly female athletes. So he's, yeah, right. you know, he's he needs to. Yeah, he totally needs to. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. Every. So his
1: next step is to start getting estrogen injections. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm seeing him, him tomorrow. Say, I'm, I'm going to tell him, him. Tell him. him. that's <laughs> Professor Schofield's advice. Yeah, hey
1: well, Grant, you've, look, you've done cold water, you've done brown fat, you've done low carb, <laughs> you've done low, you've done fasting until you got, couldn't move because of the pain. Like you need to get injection <gasps> <Yeah>. shots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: Grant. Um, very quickly because I know you probably have to go, but I'm interested. You canned our call yesterday because of your cold water immersion therapy. Love that. How often are you yeah. doing that?
1: uh Yeah, it's been a surprising thing to me. I like. So I first heard about this from Bevan McKinnon mm-hmm. ages ago. Uh, and it's like, oh, you know, you start with this protocol, you have cold showers. So I started, I had one cold shower, and I was like, nah, this is yeah. ridiculous. He's, yeah. you know, Bevan was bringing in ice blocks from a fishmonger to his bath, you know, and all this sort of stuff. Was <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, yeah. next, next level. So, so I gave up. It's was like, that's just stupid. I do it. And Biven was like, no, no, you can do it. And then, um, and then near the start of this winter, I had a few friends who were just going, oh, no, 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 it's awesome, it's great, you get used to it and it's really good for uh, particularly anxiety and, you know, kind mm. a whole bunch of things. I was like, yeah, whatever. Um, and then uh, one lady I know who actually follows me more than anything in tyra, this lady, Andrea, um, she and her friend were doing it and, and then Louise was like, no, nah, we're doing it. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and so so then I, this is about, I don't know, three months ago now, so then I jumped yeah. into our pool, which was 13 yeah. degrees. I awesome. literally... Could not separate stimulus and response. So I jumped in there and I was just like,
2: you know, it <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it lasted about like 10 seconds. Jumped out and yeah. I was like, that's ridiculous. And then I was yeah. like, okay, okay, hang on, that's not going to work for us. So, so yeah. I'm going to do a minute. So I went back, they did a minute. And then I also discovered that this guy, um, uh, oh, I can't remember his name, but the, no, no, he, was, he wrote some stuff with Wim Hof, um, uh, but the book's called uh, The Wedge. Uh, okay. which examines the stuff and uh, Covey I think is the guy's Covey um, and it's a great book because it it, it it uses at least cold water to start with to sort of look at the sort of metaphor of um, this wedge this metaphorical wedge in your mind so you've got the stimulus that's going to produce a, a an automatic response right so you jump yeah. in cold water you are going to hyperventilate you are going to freak out you're going to start shivering you start going to freak
2: yeah. um,
1: but the reality of that was only designed for a life-threatening situation, and the cold water mm. I'm putting myself in is not life-threatening. So you put a metaphorical wedge between that stimulus and responding. You breathe in um, slowly and deeply, um, yeah. and you relax. And actually, what you find is that you, you don't start shivering, and you feel a sort of inner warmth, and then um, get out and recover. And it made a massive difference to our well-being. So we started doing it every nice. day, and yeah. so then we were doing ten minutes, and then wow. um, uh, so I've been doing it. I do cold water every day. Yeah, wow. and it had been for That's three awesome. months. Yeah. Um and and um uh, and I think like I'm the biggest cold water soot ever, it becomes quite addictive.
2: Yeah. Um
1: and uh like I went into the water yesterday and mm. it was fifteen degrees and it's been thirteen and I was like, Oh it's always getting too warm for us, what's the point? You know, like I uh it's been um it's been a real learning experience for me. And I think I think, um, I think the, that what it teaches you is a, the difference, especially in anxiety, there's always a stimulus yeah. that evokes a response.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, now, the stimulus isn't actually worthy of the response it evokes.
2: Mm.
1: So it's about a wedge between that and then reprogram, because these responses are real, right? These yeah. are real responses to that stress. Yeah, real anxiety and real real debilitation um but it requires a degree of perseverance on just reprogramming that and the cold water stuff is such an easy metaphor to understand because it's real yeah. it's pretty obvious yeah. that you freak
2: yeah and
1: it's pretty obvious that you um can easily separate stimulus from response and easily reprogram that thing and actually yeah. feel quite good about cold i've I, I did a um the best one we did was it we went mountain biking in Rotorua just the other week and we went in um, the Blue Lake which is um was like 9.9 awesome um so that is getting on the cold side of of water yeah yeah um, but but it's astonishing you can float around there for like 10-15 minutes and you just feel like you're a um fire breathing dragon and it's all sort of this heat's oozing out from in you and you jump out and you're fine it's like
2: huh yeah it's
0: amazing eh? and there are so many <laughs> metabolic benefits to it as well as those you know the change in mm-hmm. your vagal nerve and tone yeah, yeah, and, that, and stuff like yeah, that yeah. yeah i um, i don't think there has been any studies because i've looked but i've yeah. often recommended as part of kind of fat loss protocols that people jump in a cold shower as yeah. part of what they're doing um yeah. uh, what i do is i um, brush my teeth at the end of the shower and yeah. that goes for two minutes and, and do um, do it cold yeah uh, and um, I, like, I, I feel a bit kind of like, I'm not quite sure I'm up to this today, but as soon as I do it, and you get over that initial um, pain of the cold, and I'm breathing really deeply, kind of almost in that hyperventilate, like not hyperventilating, yeah. but I'm trying to blow out a lot of the, my CO2 and, and stuff, yeah. and you do end up feeling warm, like it is. Yeah, and, it, and
1: you want that trep- the trepidation of it. Yes, you is, do. Is actually the critical part of it.
0: Yeah, yeah, because so that's that, kind of that's, that's the stimulus, right? Of your... Yeah, you need you, to
1: know that you, that's you're able to to overcome that. Um,
0: yeah.
1: I, always, I The thing I find it hard about the shower though is like, like, um, it's quite. It's, it's it's a low cost to get there and turn it on, and it's quite easy to dodge it and turn it off. Whereas at least you bother going yeah. to the sea, like you're there, right? Like, yeah, totally. Yeah. You you, have, you can't go home. It'll be awkward. Yeah,
0: uh, yeah. <laughs> we we headed down to um the Blue Lakes actually this weekend, so um like. Barry is the biggest suck so I don't think he'll be he'll be going in but I, that because you've told me that you did it grant now that's like a bit of a challenge to me
1: you're yeah, um, going there the, the one thing you shouldn't know, though I felt strongly about this don't like I reckon in that lake don't swim out of your depth in that lake yeah okay. like because like, it's like not very floaty and it's yeah, quite okay. scary and it's okay. is cold and yeah. like you just get a cramp and that was the last we saw of Mickey you know like not no, no right. like
2: that
0: if you've said that and mm. you are <laughs> ex-professional triathlete <laughs> that's enough to get me like just like kind of paddling in sitting down on the stones like yeah, yeah, kind yeah, of a foot it. deep hey um, <laughs> um one last thing before you go though and this may actually take a couple of minutes but yeah. i did start off by asking about your morning routine we never yeah. actually got there so
1: oh yeah so the morning, morning routine is just like um so w- what happens is um i've got i've got a border collie dog bluey
0: yeah.
1: um who i think is about nine now um yes. so so at six thirty he wakes me up.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, like he comes to the side of the bed and he like puts his paw on in there' like and then he, he he moves like he needs to go to the kitchen so because he wants to be fed at that point and he knows that's when he's allowed to do it. Yeah. Um so I jump up and um I feed him, I put the kettle on and yeah. um make a French press coffee. And so we have that and uh just talk about how awesome we are um yep. and um, <laughs> oh,
2: <that's> brilliant. <laughs> uh,
1: and, no, uh, and then danny who's our 10 year old because we've got a 19 year old a 17 year old and a 10 year old um, i can't believe danny is 10. yeah he literally bounces upstairs and he's quite a chirpy kid in the morning and he's like morning um yeah, yeah and so we just generally he still comes in our bed and like cuddles with us. It's not going to last much longer, obviously like a 19 year old is not going to do that. That would be awful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and um, so that takes us through to about seven. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then we'll just generally get uh, organized, get the kids lunches made, you know, have a decent mm-hmm. breakfast. So we'll cook up stuff. You
2: know? Yeah. Well,
1: yes. Our kids get quite a lot of food and breakfast, like like yeah. smoothies Eggs, like they might get three things. Awesome. To eat like quite a lot of food.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: Like that's a big eating opportunity for us, our family. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And then so that everything will be done by eight. And what we would generally do is then go off to work at that point. But um, what we've been doing since lockdown, and we've just carried on with it is between. um, uh, This is going to sound this is privileged and decadent. I admit it. Um, But it hasn't affected my productivity. It's enhanced us. So um, Louise and I will have a two-hour period now between 8 mm-hmm. and 10, um, which is dedicated towards exercising and doing that sort of stuff. Nice. Um, so we might do some resistance training together. We might go for a walk with the dog. We might do a walk with some cold water. Um, we yeah. might do a walk run with some cold water. Um, yeah. And so that's that. And then it, um, uh, by 10, it's uh, it's actual solid work yeah. um, from then on with some breaks and I just try and achieve myself. I'm actually not really capable of doing more than six hours of decent work in my field a day.
2: Yeah, um, yeah.
1: like I'm just not very good at anything past that so yeah. like I work really hard for six hours and I reckon I can achieve more in that time than I do mm. by doing anything else so that's generally how I would do it I, like as I say like I, I look at you and by the time I'm sometimes I'm looking at Strava while I'm still in bed and it's like you've already logged like 17ks or something and I'm like oh, huh, how about that? Uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yet, you know, at, when you're at your peak productivity grant, I am, with lockdown, if I'm working from home, I am doing dishes and making dinner because my brain switches off at about, t- from two to four, I am like gone, you know? So, no, it's, so it's, I'm still cranking
1: it then. I'm still absolutely exactly. cranking it. Like, I'm yeah. doing my best. So yeah. yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? And, and I, like, I just think that's the message for people is you've got to work with your, chronotype and your eating personality and uh, what you're good at yeah like um, trying to trying to work with what you're weak at it's just a it's a it's a, it's a bad game it um, is, and it's a
0: battle and it, it, that will wear you down you know i asked you what will wear what wears you down grant um yeah. but that there for anyone if you're constantly fighting and it's a constant battle you're yeah. not going to win
1: no if i had to get up and exercise between 5 30 and 6 30 that was my only available time that i had to do it then. Yeah. Like I wouldn't do it. I can't. I I could do it. I could physically do it. I guess I could do it. Like anyone can do it. But I just can't. It would physically hurt me. Yeah.
2: Uh, Yeah, Yeah. In
1: the long run, I just would give up.
0: Yeah. And perhaps, you know, later on in my life, if I'm not having to do what I do in order to fit it in, I yeah. probably wouldn't get up as early as what I do. No,
1: so I, so I don't reckon that's true. I, yeah. you you were doing that. Even like I reckon you would anyway. Like I reckon it's in you. I I, I just think you you are not gonna you're not gonna wake up when I, it's, it's programmed.
0: Well, it, in part, yes. What I and noticed you like over it. You lockdown, like yeah. No, I love it actually. Yeah. But during end during lockdown, it shifted slightly. So. My, I, I got up later. I got up probably forty minutes later,
1: and yeah, so everything just, you was. You might have started to run at like seven or something.
0: There you go. And that, to me, what a luxury. Yeah. Whereas actually, like, I get up, I make coffee, I do thirty to forty minutes of writing because that's when yeah. I work on client plans, I work on my blog, or work on my, um, the online stuff that I have, um, kind of going on. And then I, and I feel like I really achieve quite a lot in that short space of time, which is quite yeah. nice. It's Um, sort of a
1: golden hour, right?
0: It is, yeah. Whereas for you, your golden hour clearly is kind of more around that middle point of the day.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I think there's real advantages to being that lark for that stuff. Like, first of all, as you said, it's celebrated. And second of all, actually, you can do quite a bit. Whereas you've got got periods where it's quiet and you're not going to be interrupted where you're working well. I haven't really got that. It's like I have a brief period. Like, if I'm writing a book, for example... Mm-hmm. I I can't be anywhere near my office or anything. I couldn't do it in it. no yeah. work would get done. Um, oh, so, yeah. So but I can't get up in the morning and do it. Yeah. I have to like do it during the day. That's yeah. the only time it's yeah. available to me where I'm any good. Yeah. Um so yeah, celebrate the humanity of who you are. It's it is a thing, eh? Like it's such a thing. It um, is. I agree. Yeah. What about compat- partner compatibility? How does that go? Well like,
0: Barry is very good at he's he calls it doing what he's told that is not it but he is he's not a morning person so he would naturally get up probably an hour later than me and he would naturally exercise at a different time as well but like but unlike you like just with the kids and, and with his work and stuff. Like if yeah. he doesn't do it in the morning, he finds it very difficult to find time during the day to do it. Cause his job doesn't lend itself to the flexibility. No, yeah, of no, it no, no one
1: has a, like a professor's job where you don't actually do any actual work. Like you just. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you said it here. Um, yeah. But um, but he is, um, and he would naturally stay up a bit later probably yeah. also, yeah. but he does what he says to me time and again is that, that he, he's, Grateful that I get him out of bed is what he says. Um, yep. So that's good. So it, and actually, you know, in terms of compatibility around that stuff, we just move easily around each other, and it's not like it's not. Yeah, easy. right. So when
1: but the lockdown when you moved a bit, that made it a bit easier on both of you. Both of them
0: oh, it was complete. Yeah, totally fine. Absolutely. Yeah, fine. That,
1: that was sort of more of a bliss point, perhaps.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. which is, I mean. Who wouldn't like to go back to a bliss point? You just wouldn't want to do it because of a global pandemic where everything was shut down and you couldn't see your mates, basically. Uh, Grant, this is like been an hour now. Oh really? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's been true. awesome. Yeah, it's yeah. like
1: been ten
0: minutes. Yeah, it's usually like that though, eh? When you kind of, I think I had down about ten or fifteen things that I wanted to talk to you about, and we maybe spoke about two of them. Um, but that's the beauty of these types of conversations yeah 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 it's cool um,
1: it's cool I, actually someone will listen I, awesome.
0: well can you get Louise to listen and that will be one yeah I'll, I'll,
1: I'll do that
0: yeah and I'll get back to be, listen Barry
2: and... to listen he'll do it
0: yeah boom that's like two listeners to Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoyed that conversation I had with Grant as much as I did recording it. And as I said, I'll post links to where you can find Grant on social media, and of course Precure and the Centre for Human Potential at AUT University. Uh, now, in the coming weeks, I'm talking to a whole host of interesting people, and it's really quite a ple- been quite a pleasure to be able to sit down and chat to these guys. And next week. I've got Greg Potter who is a sleep expert coming on and talking all things sleep, chrononutrition and um, everything in and around that area and that again was an awesome conversation so make sure that you tune in then and if there's anyone that you'd like me to interview I would love to be able to do that so drop me a line on the show page on my website mickeywillidan.com or on Instagram or Twitter. At Mickey Willardin and Facebook at Mickey Willardin Nutrition. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, just it allows more people to find out about Wikipedia and um, also get to, you know, sit down and, and have a listen, which would be awesome. Thanks, team. Thanks for listening and have an awesome day. Catch you next week.